Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. We began last time what we didn't anticipate or intend, but is probably going to turn into sort of a series on uh, things that are killing the church. I've been accused of being against the church, which is an absolutely tragic accusation and one that saddens me very much. Uh, the reason for the accusation is that in my books and, and in some of our teaching, we're pretty straightforward about the failures of the church. Uh, but I don't say those things because I hate the church or I'm against church. <laughs> um, I say those things because I love God and I love his people and I want the church meaning the people of God, to experience what God intended us to experience. And so when things get in the way, yeah, I, I guess I do get pretty passionate. And I was describing last time, you know, speaking at a conference recently and talking to people afterwards and just being reminded of what the experience of, I think, kind of the average believer uh, follower of Jesus Christ is right now, uh, at least in the United States. And, uh, oh, it just began to just awaken this passion and this fierceness in me to say, oh, no, there is more. And some of these things that are in the way, yeah, I'm mad about uh, because they're in the way, you know, of people really experiencing uh, all that God uh, intended when he gave his life for us. So last time, what we focused on was intimacy with God and that intimacy is the point. Uh, it's not that you know, intimacy is something for the chosen few. Uh, Jesus says, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. Uh, and uh, we were reflecting on how even something like a servant mindset, you know, these things get in the way. And, uh, and so we want to continue on with that just to unpack some things that have sort of crept into the church, their assumptions, convictions, positions, uh, distractions uh, that are really in the way. Uh, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. Um, my son, for several years, uh, went to a Christian school. And um, I'm not going to identify which son and I'm not going to identify which school because the point is not to rip on these people. But the illustration is important because I think it's fairly universal. Uh, he came home one day and he said, uh, Dad, today in Bible class, we were talking about the devil. And I thought, oh, wow, that's good. They're kind of teaching them uh, about evil. You know, there's evil in the world. And here's, you know, what it means for the Christian. And, and he said uh, what the teacher was telling us was that um, it's not our job to resist the devil. That's Jesus's job. And uh, I was furious. Oh, I was so mad because that is such a crippling lie. That's not biblical. That's not good doctrine. Now, it's being taught by people who are very, very, very concerned about doctrine. And no doubt, they're probably motivated by excesses and wackinesses and strange things they've seen people do. Uh, you know, with spiritual warfare, but it's bad doctrine. And what's ironic, Craig, is that, you know, not six months later, I hear it from another son 
who heard it in chapel. Uh, and, you know, this wonderful old saint gets up and she's talking to the students about what it means to be a good Christian. And she tells them, it's not your job to resist the devil. You know, that's Jesus's job, you know. And again, I'm just absolutely furious because that's a very dangerous lie to believe. That's a very crippling thing that has crept into the church uh, in James 4. Verse 7, God commands us to resist the devil. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, we are commanded to resist the devil. Mm-hmm. And then all through the Gospels, you see Jesus modeling how you deal with foul spirits and with spiritual warfare. You know, he's very direct. He's very confrontive, you know, and then Paul does it in the book of Acts. And and that was considered very normal in the early centuries of the church. It was absolutely normal. You read, you know, Anthony, Athanasius, the early desert fathers. It's just very, very normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, there's spiritual mm-hmm. warfare and you must deal with it personally. You must deal with it. Mm-hmm. And this idea that's crept in that um, – Either spiritual warfare isn't really an important category, would be one version of this, um, or it's a really bizarre category, would be another version of this, or, you know, just the outright teaching. Uh, in fact, I'm recalling now, I heard it uh, years ago in a Bible church that we were in. The pastor was teaching this, and at the time, I didn't know he was wrong. Uh, I just remembered that now that I heard that in a sermon once. It's God's job to deal with the devil. You know, you don't have to do a thing. Yeah, yeah. And John, one of my thoughts there is is simply some of what you've shared, what we share at our conferences is if, if, you, don't, if you don't have a devil in your worldview, how do you explain all the bad, all the evil? And it, it's either a result of God, whose now character mm. is called into question, mm. Or it's your fault, which just uh, is another affirmation of the shame and contemptibility yeah. of, of your own life. There's right. a third character. Yes. And we don't hear much about him. Yes. Or how to deal with him. Right. I mean, the scripture presents evil as a force in this world mm-hmm. with a personality, Satan, all of his fallen angels, demons. And scripture, all throughout scripture, gives us this worldview that says, look, you are at war. And if you don't think about life like that, you're going to feel really abandoned by God. You're going to feel betrayed or you're going to feel like you're a schmuck, that you're just an idiot. You can't get your life together. You you know, you're trying to do the right thing, but you keep getting your legs cut out from underneath you or things are going wrong. And, And so, yeah, Craig, right. You either end up blaming God or yourself, or other people, you know, you end up blaming other people for a whole category of evil that Scripture says, oh, no, no, the source of this is very clear. Spiritual warfare is coming from the kingdom of darkness, and you must deal with it. You must. Otherwise, you just get hammered by it. You just get taken out. I mean, simple story. Uh, Two nights ago, Luke and I were trying to look up something on the internet, and uh, Luke says, Dad, I can't concentrate. I have a really bad headache. 
And uh, I, I just was sort of suspicious about that. And I thought, well, you know, what's the fruit of this? The fruit is a loss of joy, you know, the inability to kind of be present, connect, time with dad, all of that. I thought, you know, maybe it's just a headache, but maybe it isn't. Let's pray. So we prayed against it, and it went away. Like, boom, like now, like in the authority of Jesus Christ and by the cross of Jesus Christ, we command the spiritual assault here to go away. You know, now sometimes you just have to take an Advil, but sometimes it's something else. And in this case, it was something else. And, and uh, the headache went away. And what is beautiful about the story is, uh, so we get back on the internet, we're kind of curious, about five minutes later, I said, Luke, how's your head? And he says, oh, it's gone. I mean, the headache's gone. And I said, isn't that neat? And Luke says, yeah, it really is. And, and how encouraging for his faith. I mean, th this will do so much for the faith of people to see that it works, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, the promises in Scripture of an abundant life and the promises of Scripture of the triumph of Christ and of God coming through for us, one of the most powerful expressions of those is in spiritual warfare. And when we abandon that as a category or we take this extraordinarily passive role that says, well, it's just God's to deal with and I'm not going to do anything about it, we don't see results. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being very discouraging. And we, we move so much of the promise and the joy of the Christian life just off to heaven then you know, because we're not seeing much of it now. Yeah. John, going back to – just last time we, we spoke, and you talked about those different circles of Christianity. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of, of that kind of social reform circle. Uh, what they would identify as the devil is, is generally institutions. Right. You know, and, and you have the— right. uh, Or people, you know, with bad policy. Right, right individuals or policies, institutions, yeah. people. Then you have the, the doctrinal circle, and uh, which is where my, most of my personal experience has been. And the evil there is false doctrine or not good doctrine. Yeah. And what's amazing is you look at what people identify as evil, it's often something other than a personal being who is evil, who... The devil. The devil, who... <laughs> Is the one in the car raising up issues between you and your wife who is present trying to disrupt your life with your teenager, put fear in you in the middle of the night about retirement or the bills or the mortgage. Mm. It's always kind of removed to some third party versus something very personal and present and real. Yeah, right, right. And the fruit of it is bondage. Uh, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy at will. Mm -hmm. You know, the fruit of it is so disheartening. That's what gets me so mad is that there's a freedom that's available. There's breakthrough that's available. It is unkind to send people on a desert quest, a hike, you know, a, a, a crossing, and tell them there's no rattlesnakes and there's no scorpions, mm -hmm. right? It is foolishness to the first degree to send people out, you know, uh, to scuba dive or snorkel, you know, on the Great Barrier Reef and say, there's no sharks. There's no such thing. I mean, this is so deeply and profoundly wrong. And this is one of those categories of things that are absolutely killing the church today. 
absolutely crippling the church. It's ushered in a passivity uh, in, in one of the most important categories the Scripture gives us. There is evil. You must resist it. You must deal with it. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's a pretty graphic picture. It is. And Peter's writing to Christians, not to non-Christians. He's warning Christians, look, you have an enemy that wants to maul you. And the word isn't tempt, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe we'll allow that. Maybe we'll say, well, I'm, I'm being tempted by the devil. And the word is devour, thrash, harm deeply, right? And then what is the rest of the verse? What's the command? Resist him. Firm in the faith, knowing that your brothers around the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. I mean, Peter's just assuming, yep, spiritual warfare is just part of the deal. Everybody goes through it all around the world. This isn't just for missionaries in third world countries or, you know, uh, you know the Billy Grahams who are trying to evangelize. This is everybody, mm-hmm. your brethren all over the world are undergoing the exact same thing. Resist it. Everyone has an enemy out to destroy them. Yeah. There is a victory over that enemy. This is such a crucial category. Like intimacy, it's one that's been sidelined by way too much of the church for way too long. And uh, we got to get it back Mm -hmm. because it's right, it's true, it's real, it's biblical, and because people are being profoundly hurt by not understanding and embracing this as just part of the way they look at life and how they're trying to live. And so a really simple test for this would simply be to ask yourself, what have I understood or blamed on, you know, what have I discerned has been spiritual attack in the last week? Anything? <laughs> because there's been some. It's just part of the deal. And, and, and another way to evaluate this is how often, uh, how often do I actually stop and practice James 4, 7, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 resisting? How often do I actually stop in the moment and pray, deal with it directly? If the answer is not much or it's been a few weeks, it's been a few months, gosh, it's been a couple of years, then you have some aligning to do, <laughs> some recalibration, some waking up, some tuning in, you know, uh, because that is a very naive and a very dangerous worldview. Um, okay, so the irony is I'm thinking, so what do we recommend to people by way of our resources? And I mean, we we take spiritual warfare very seriously, uh, personally, as a ministry. We practice it. We see the absolute fruits of it in setting people free, in drawing people into a closer walk with God, uh, you know, in a deeper holiness, all of it. And so the fruit of it is is proof enough in itself uh, that it's so important. And, okay, now here's the irony. We take it seriously. Uh, we teach it. But I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so, yeah, the Spiritual Warfare series that I want to recommend. And we, <laughs> we don't have one. We do have some things. Um, 
the book, Waking the Dead, uh, it will be very, very helpful to learn some of these categories and how to pray. The uh, audio series that we have called The Four Streams uh, takes uh, a teaching into spiritual warfare and takes you deeper into kind of how to understand it, how to deal with it. Um, I would also recommend uh, Neil Anderson's books, Timothy Warner's books. Uh, Ed Murphy has a very large but very helpful book called The Handbook of Spiritual Warfare. So there's other resources, but how ironic that that even we who, you know, we're trying to make a case for this. Um, oh, my goodness. The church has just been stripped and plundered of so many things. Intimacy with God, uh, an understanding of spiritual warfare and how to handle it effectively, biblically, and several other categories that we'll probably end up talking about in the weeks to come. That's great. It's in everything, but it's kind of buried in Yeah, all right. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you loved it. We love getting your feedback as well. If you're enjoying these podcasts and would like to leave us a comment, please visit the iTunes store and do so. And by the way, all of our audio resources are now available for purchase through the iTunes store. You can find our resources and our other podcasts by searching for either Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge on the iTunes store. And to find out more about Ransomed Heart, our podcasts, our events, and all of the things that we're offering and doing, come to our website at www.ransomedheart.com.